are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's reading, go over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and followers of the work. Before we begin today's reading, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda and ask for a portion of her spirit. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria of Agreda, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 92, and we continue reading from the introduction of Volume 2. We'll read paragraphs 12 to 21. 12. Presently that bright day broke, which I had desired so much. The quiet possession of peace returned. I enjoyed the sweet love and vision of my Lord and Master, and with it I again perceived why I should believe, accept, and esteem the benefits and favors which his mighty arm wrought in me. I gave him thanks, as far as was in my power, and I saw who I was and who God is that a creature by itself can do nothing, that it is nothing, because sin is nothing. I saw also what man can do when raised up and assisted by the divine right hand, being made much more than can be imagined by earthly faculties. Humbled in the perception of these truths, and in the presence of the inaccessible light, which is vast and strong without deceit or falsehood, my heart flowed over in sweet affections of love, praise, and thanksgiving. For now, I understood that he had guarded and defended me, so that in the confused night of temptations, my lamp might not be extinguished. Proverbs 31.18 And in the depth of my gratitude, I annihilated myself to the dust, and humiliated myself as a worm of the earth. 13. To make this benefit more certain, I immediately heard an interior exhortation without knowing clearly from whence it proceeded, while it severely reprehended me for my disloyalty and my wrongful ways, it, at the same time, admonished and enlightened, instructed and corrected me. It furnished me with a deep understanding of good and evil, of virtue and vice, of what was secure, useful, and beneficial, as well as their contraries. It laid open to me the way of eternity, gave me a knowledge of the means and of the ends of the value of life everlasting, and of the miserable unhappiness and the so little considered ruin of endless perdition. 14. In the profound knowledge of these two extremes, I confess that I was dumbfounded, and cast about between the fear of my dreadful infirmity and the desire of reaching the happiness, of which I was unworthy on account of my demerits. I was full of the thought of the kindness and mercy of the Most High, and the fear of losing Him. I beheld the two different ends awaiting the creatures, eternal glory and eternal misery. And it seemed a small matter to me to suffer all the pains and the torments of the world of purgatory and hell itself in order to attain to the one and to avoid the other. 
and although I perceive that the divine help is assured to those who seek to make use of it, yet as I also saw by this light that life and death are in our hands, Ecclesiastes 15.18, and that our weakness or malice may prevent the proper use of grace, that the tree will lie for all eternity as it once has fallen, Ecclesiastes 11.3. On this account, I was overcome by the deepest sorrow which penetrated my heart. 15. This sorrow was increased by a most severe answer or inquiry which came from the Lord. For while I found myself thus annihilated in the consciousness of my weakness and danger, and by the thought of having offended his justice, so that I dared not raise my eyes toward him, he met my speechless sorrow by the advances of his mercy, saying to me in an answer to them, Which dost thou wish, my soul? Which dost thou seek? Which of these ways wilt thou choose? Which is thy resolve? This question was an arrow to my heart. For although I knew for certain that the Lord knew my desires better than I myself, the delay between the question and the answer was incredibly painful to me. I wished, if possible, that the Lord should anticipate my answer and should not show himself ignorant of the response which I would give. But impelled by great emotion, I made response in words, coming from the innermost of my soul, and said, Lord, an omnipotent God, the path of virtue, the way of eternal life do I choose. This do I desire, and in this... Do thou place me, and as I do not merit in thy justice, I appeal to thy mercy, and I offer for myself the infinite merits of thy most holy Son and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 16. I was made aware that this highest judge remembered the promise which is given to the church, that he would grant all that is asked in the name of his only begotten. John 16.23. That in him and on his account my petition was granted and its fulfillment hastened according to my poor wishes. Certain conditions were made and proposed to me by an intellectual voice, saying to me interiorly, Soul, created by the hand of the Almighty, if thou wishest as one of the elect to follow in the path of the true light and attain the position of a most chaste spouse of the Lord, who calls thee, it is befitting that thou observe the laws and precepts of love. The first thing required of thee is that thou reject entirely all earthly inclinations, renouncing all and every affection toward the transient things, so that thou have no love or affection toward any created being, no matter how useful, beautiful, or agreeable it may appear to thee. Cherish no created image, harbor no earthly affection. Let thy will rest in no created object, except in so far as thy Lord and spouse shall command thee for the well-ordering of thy love, or in so far as thou canst be aided thereby to love him alone. 17. And when, after thus reaching this perfect abnegation and renunciation of thyself, thou shalt have freed and disentangled thyself from all earthly things, seek the Lord, raising thyself with the swift wings of the dove toward the high habitation in which he, in his condescension, wishes to place thy spirit, so that there thou mayest live in his presence and have a secure dwelling place. This great Lord is a most jealous spouse, and his love and emulation are strong as death. Canticle 8.6 He wishes to adorn thee and set thee in a secure place, in order that thou mayest not issue from it or leave his presence for another, where thou findest him not or enjoyest not his caresses. He with whom thou art to converse without mistrust, wishes to sign thee with his own hand, and this is a most equitable law which the spouses of the great king must observe, for even those in the world observe it in order to show their faithfulness. It is due to the nobility of thy spouse that thou observe a behavior corresponding to the dignity and position conferred by him, 
without descending to anything not befitting this estate, or making thee unworthy of the adornment lavished upon thee for entrance into his bridal chamber. 18. Next, I require of thee that thou despoil thyself with diligence of the vestments torn by thy faults and imperfections, soiled by the effects of sin and made odious by the inclinations of nature. His majesty wishes to wash off the stains, to purify and renew thee with his beauty, but under condition that thou never lose sight of the poor and despicable vestments of which thou hast been divested, so that in the memory and knowledge of this benefit thou mayest spread the order of sweetness for this great king by the nard of thy humility." Canticle one eleven, and so that thou mayest never forget the return which thou owest to the author of thy salvation, thus will he, by the precious balsam of his blood, purify thee, heal thy wounds, and enlighten thee copiously. 19. In addition to all this, this voice continued to say, In order that thus forgetting all earthly things thou mayest be coveted by the highest king, seek to adorn thyself with the jewels which he, in his pleasure, has prepared for thee. The vestments which shall cover thee are to be whiter than the snow, more brilliant than the diamond, more resplendent than the sun, and yet they will be at the same time so delicate that they will easily be spoiled by any negligence, making thee abominable in the sight of thy spouse. But if thou preserve them in the purity of which he desires, thy steps will be beautiful as the prince's daughter. Canticle 7.1 And his majesty will be pleased with thy sentiments and thy words. As a cincture of thy vestment, he will give thee the knowledge of his divine power and his holy fear, in order that, having bound thy inclinations, thou mayest direct thyself by his pleasure. The jewels of thy necklace which adorn thy neck, signifying thy humble submission, shall be the costly stones of faith, hope, and charity. As a clasp for thy hair, which are the high and exalted thoughts of thy heavenly intelligences, thou wilt have from him the infused science and wisdom and the embroideries of thy vestments shall be all the beauty and richness of the virtues. Thy diligence in performing what is most perfect shall be thee as sandals, and thy laces shall be the avoidance and restraints that thou wilt use in order to keep from evil. The rings which will beautify thy fingers shall be the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, and the beauty of thy face shall be the participation of the divinity, which on account of his holy love shall shine therefrom. Thereto thou shalt add the coloring of confusion, for having offended him, in order that it may make thee ashamed of offending him in the future, comparing at the same time the coarse and sordid habits of the past with those that now adorn thee. 20. And because thy own merits would make but a poor and miserable return for such a high espousal, the Most High wishes to ratify this contract by singling out, as if for thee alone, the infinite merits of thy spouse, Jesus Christ. And he makes thee a partaker of all his possessions and treasures in the heavens and upon earth, for all belongs to the Supreme Lord. Esther 13.11 And of all this thou shalt be mistress as his spouse, for thy own use, and for the greater love of him. But remember, soul, that in order to obtain such a gift, thou must hide all this within thyself, without ever losing thy secret. For I warn thee of the danger of soiling thy beauty with the least imperfection. But if, at any time, thou committest such an imperfection out of weakness, rise from it at once like a strong one at acknowledging it, weep over the small fault as if it had been the most grievous.
21. And in order that thou mayest have a dwelling place and habitation befitting such a great estate, thy spouse does not wish to set thee any limit. But it is his pleasure that thou dwell in the infinite regions of his divinity, and that thou roam about and disport thyself through the illimitable fields of his attributes and perfections, where the view of the intellect is without restraint, where the will is delighted without shadow of misgiving, and where the inclinations are satiated without bitterness. This is the paradise always delightful, where the most beloved brides of Christ find their recreation, where they gather the fragrant flowers and myrrh, and where the infinite is found for those that have renounced the imperfect nothing. There will thy habitation be secure, and in order that thy intercourse and companionship may be in correspondence with it, I desire that thou converse with the angels, holding them as friends and companions, and copying from them during their frequent conversations and intercourse with thee, their virtues, by faithful imitation. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God. We have been reading from the introduction, from paragraphs 12 to 21. There are two things that struck me in this reading. The first was this response. Lord and omnipotent God, the path of virtue, the way of eternal life do I choose. This do I desire, and in this do thou place me. And as I do not merit in thy justice, I appeal to thy mercy, and I offer for myself the infinite merits of thy most holy Son and my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The way of eternal life do I choose. This do I desire. We heard a little bit before that in the reading that Maria Vagrado was talking about kind of these different choices of eternity, of life with God and perdition or damnation. And so she says, I choose eternal life. I choose God. And that's the reality for all of us is that we are confronted with this choice. And every day, like Maria of Agreda, we must say, I choose eternal life. This I desire. And that choice and that desire is going to inform everything else I do in my life. And so I ask you, what is it do you choose every day? Do you choose the path that leads to life? Or do you choose the other path? Do you desire eternal life? Or do you desire right now the things of this world? And so those things of this world are distracting you from even contemplating or thinking about that goal of eternity. The other thing that really struck me was right here at the very end of our reading. And I believe this is Mary speaking to Maria of Agreda. She says, I desire that thou converse with the angels, holding them as friends and companions and copying from them during their frequent conversations and intercourse with thee. That's a beautiful sentiment, isn't it? I desire that thou converse with the angels, holding them as friends and companions, copying from them. Isn't that what we do with the saints? So take it beyond the angels for us. We're not like Mary. We're not able to see these different visions that are happening of the celestial courts of all of the angels attending to the Blessed Mother. We don't see these things. We know that they happen. We know it's going on around us, that the angels are among us. But I desire that thou converse with the angels. Well, yes, converse with your guardian angel. Converse with the saints. I desire you to converse with the saints, holding them as friends. Could be another reading of this. Copying from them. So as you study the lives of the saints, copy what you see in them so that you might be a better follower of Jesus. Copy in them their life of virtue so that you might live a virtuous life. Who are your heavenly friends?
Who are your favorite saints? How do they inspire you? I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you tuned in today for day number 92, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.